Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. If you are caring for a person with autism, great information from a trusted source can be a lifeline. We hope today's conversation will help you create success for the extraordinary individual with autism in your life. And welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host for the hour, Dr. Bill Freya. I'm a clinical psychologist and the co-founder of Autism Spectrum Therapies. AST is a national agency providing services to individuals of all ages who are living with autism or other developmental issues. And we created this program to be a resource for families and for professionals. Uh, We've been covering a range of topics to help a broad audience interested in helping children and adults with autism. And today we're going to be discussing services for teens and adults, as well as preparing early for transition to independence and adulthood. Uh, I hope you've had the chance to listen to all of the topics and guests that we've gathered here on the show so far. Uh, you can access all of our previous shows by going to our website, autismtherapies.com, and I hope you find them helpful. I've had some great discussions with parent advocates. Uh, we've had clinical and research professionals discuss treatments, classroom models. Uh, we've been lucky to have some of the most accomplished autism experts visit this show, and they will have another one of those accomplished experts. We'll be talking to Dr. Peter Gerhardt. Uh, he's going to discuss his great work on uh, preparing individuals for adulthood. Uh, he's both an outstanding teacher and researcher, as well as a passionate advocate for individuals with autism, and we're so lucky to have him with us today. There's been a lot of buzz and excitement about today's show, is that we look at school as a big part of the answer of how to prepare for adulthood. It's kind of ingrained in us that that's what's important. And that may not be true for a lot of our kids. And if it isn't true, what do you do? You know, Academics are certainly important. Your child should learn to read and to write and to reach their full potential academically. Of course we want that, but what are they going to do with those skills and that knowledge? You know, we see a lot of parents struggling with that. If their future is filled with television, video games, waiting for their next meal time, uh, then all that investment may not have been worth it. It might not have been the right place for all of the energy. And that's hard to hear, but it's a reality that many parents are facing every day because life skills are not best learned at school. You know, the adaptive and functional skills of living independently and safely are not taught in the classroom or the playground. Uh, being mobile, getting around, building pre-career skills, advocating for your needs. These are big, critical, and at the end of the day, more important subjects than, say, algebra. You know, can't really argue that. What is really important? What is the important thing? It's probably giving meaning to what he or she does, giving meaning to what they're going to be doing every day with their life. Schools don't give our kids the skills or perspective to build meaningful life choices. It's not necessarily what they're there for. Many of our kids grow up and find themselves doing work tasks that have no meaning to them at all. And this comes following a school experience where most of the work they were given didn't translate to meaningful skills, skills they could use each day and get good at and integrate into their life. It's almost like they are being taught not to expect work to be meaningful, if that's their only experience. It just isn't a good formula for building a quality of life where the things you learn should build on each other and come together to give you a meaningful outcome. What your child could end up doing in his life after an experience of just going through our current most common educational system and having that be the, the core of their training is they're going to do whatever they're told to do by someone else, a lot of which might be busy time, doesn't have meaning, doesn't build self-esteem, doesn't provide options for the individual to choose from. 
It's all out of their control if that's what happens. It's contrived and it doesn't give them much motivation. Well, how could they really be motivated by that? You know, so, I mean, that, that's it for my wake-up call. That's an important theme to think about. I mean, you need to, to complement the school experience. You have to complement the school experience with the teaching of skills that lead to a quality life. You need to add genuine, community-based, functional, focused experiences outside of the classroom and start early, start now. And what is the alternative to the status quo school experience? What can you do I mean, to, to add to that? Every parent is, will need to make that decision for themselves. Uh, because it's it's based on what you see your child's future being, or what's critical to you, what their likes and like, dislikes are. The professionals like our guest today, Dr. Peter Gerhardt, can, can share their experiences and their successes and their opinions. But you'll have to come up uh, with, with a strategy uh, yourself in terms of what are going to be the critical pieces of it. Uh, one common theme you know, I suggest is what works, to, what works for us, what works for typically developing individuals. What did we do to create our lives? What is valued in all of our lives? What do we do to create an adulthood that gives us meaning, freedom, connectedness? I sometimes think of it backwards, you know, to see if I can make sense of it. When I, when I meet an adult who's not doing much but sitting at home, I ask, what does he not have? What did he not learn? What are the skills and experiences that are missing? And how do I make sure that others have a different path? Did he ever get put into community as a child uh, to practice and build social communication skills? Did he get a chance to learn practical life skills? Did his family take risks, let him fail, and learn from the experiences? You know, few of us get to grow up without failing or taking risks and learning a lot about ourselves the hard way. It isn't tough love. That's not what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's just life. No one gets a prescribed future. No one gets a prescribed future. I didn't. You didn't. No one said to me, this is going to be your job. Here are your friends. This will be your favorite hobby. Here's the address where you'll find your home. We, we, all, we all know the path of how we got to where we are. And for most of us, it wasn't smooth. You probably experienced some surprises along the way. You have to figure it all out. It unfolds as you experience more, more good and more bad. And what would an individual with autism be, why would an individual with autism uh, be expected to have a prescribed life? You know, they have to go through that process of learning. Think about your career, how you ended up with your job. You, you may have a job that you hate. I guess some people do that, that. That was given to them by someone else, and you just never had a chance to do anything about it. That, that does happen. But for most of us, I think we had some choices. We gravitated to something, uh, maybe because we found it easy, maybe because our interests just aligned with it, maybe because someone reached out to us and said, I think this is good for you to explore. I think that is the place to start thinking about how we support children with autism. How do we assess their interests and strengths, and how do we give them experiences that early on can lead to choices. Our social relationships have a similar path. Um, you may have some friends that you got stuck with and you don't like very much. I guess that happens again. But for most of us, our friendships evolved somehow. These were people we met for the first time at some point and then had reason to see them again and again. And somehow we created context. And people we knew at work were part of that. There were people at our gym, people in our neighborhood, people in classes we were taking. We went from having these multiple contexts to having choices. Who do I ask for? Who do I ask to come out with me for a beer? Who can I invite to have a meal with? Uh, who should I ask to see this movie with me? You know, then I can I can decide. I can enjoy this person or not. I can act accordingly, build a relationship, you know, based on my choices. I learned to uh, assert my preferences. 
I had the pleasure of meeting with Dr. Peter Gerhardt at a recent conference. Uh, he shared with me how he views some of the barriers his kids face. And one was that we teach social skills to our kids, but then we expect them to generalize based on people in the community responding appropriately. That doesn't always happen. It's, it's a bit one-sided, our training. Sometimes we are still at this point where society is trying to understand autism. There's a lot of different views and misconceptions. You know, we have to try to work to educate and prepare members of society, especially business owners. We're going to see a lot of folks. We need to kind of stack the deck as best that we can. But right now, our, our kids need to get resilient, right? They need to get persistent and uh, get support in getting out there and facing the world. Can't be afraid of that. We know our kids are going to run into barriers. They need to be prepared for that. You know, it's a reality. We need to give them a skill set to go out and, and meet people the right way. One takeaway is that our kids need to learn how to pursue friendships. We need to define that. And uh, if and when they want them, and most of them do want them. And the hardest thing right now is just really not having enough professionals guiding us in this area who are, who are prepared to go out and help build these futures. Now, we need thousands of Peter Gerhards. Uh, we need programs to train professionals. We need to make this an area people can really get interested in. You know, if, you experience, if your experience is only special education transition programs, you know, workshops, day programs, institutional living facilities, and you probably don't think of this as a positive career choice. Luckily, that should not be anyone's vision of our future. We need to better build that vision, promote it, get good people interested, bring, bring it to fruition. Uh, that's going to take a lot of determined parents and advocates. You know, for all of you listening, this is our job, your job, my job. It's a goal that's important to define a better future, recruit others into this mission, help build a vision that inspires professionals and young people to, to join us. And I would say probably no one is uh, probably better suited to give us some inspiration in that regard and insight than our guest today, Dr. Peter Gerhardt. Um, we're going to take a brief break now and start a discussion with Dr. Gerhardt when we return. You know, if you have questions, you can always post them on our Facebook page or just email us directly at moreinfo at autismtherapies.com and we'll get back to you for sure. When we, when we return, we'll talk to Dr. Peter Gerhardt, so please stay with us. At Autism Spectrum Therapies, we understand how confusing funding options have become, as well as the difficulties that often come with seeking insurance approval. Our knowledgeable insurance team can help you become informed about your options and assist you in securing the services your child needs and deserves. Our client advocates specialize in obtaining pre-authorization for insurance coverage of AST services. If you have questions about your insurance coverage, call our insurance team today at 866-278-1520. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Free, and today we're speaking with Dr. Peter Gerhardt. Dr. Gerhardt is the Director of Education for the Upper School at McCartan School in New York City. He has more than 30 years' experience utilizing principles of applied behavior analysis and supportive adolescents and adults with autism spectrum disorders. He does this in educational context, employment, residential, community-based settings. Uh, he's authored and co-authored articles, book chapters on needs of adolescents and adults, and has presented nationally and internationally on this topic. 
Dr. Gerhardt serves as chairman of the Scientific Council for the Organization for Autism Research. He's on the editorial board of Behavior Analysis and Practice, and he also is on numerous professional advisory boards, including the Autism Society of America. Uh, welcome to the show, Peter. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Bill. Thank you for having me. Great. Love to have you. I, I mentioned at the top of the show that uh, parents are being asked to make some really difficult decisions on their children's future. I'm curious, what do you think the major challenges are going forward for children um, with autism and their families? Uh, um, I think the, well, the biggest challenge, I think, is, is trying to in, envision what the future looks like. Um, you mentioned in your opening all the possibilities that exist in a real life, and I think that's oftentimes where we get stymied. We don't allow ourselves to think big enough in some aspects. Um, we may, in terms of academics, we may say, oh, I want to go to college, I want to go to, but, you know, in terms of real life and real adult living and competence and quality of life, you know, we often, I think, uh, cut our hopes somewhat short. Um, and in so doing, just don't give people the opportunity to experience all those things. You know, the good and the bad, like you mentioned, you know, failure is an integral part of life. Giving people the opportunity to try something and not succeed at it and then try again and, and learn. Um, you know, add to that then, you know, the system challenges that come into place once you leave the educational system and enter the adult system. Um, you know, it's a... Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an uphill climb um, for individuals on the spectrum and their families, but um, there's no reason to think it's not a positive climb if we all pool our resources and work together. Right. And I think the, um, the hard thing is we're, we're asking parents to take risks that they haven't always thought, thought about, and to taking risks to start early, not really to count on school to address all the needs of the child, but uh, this is this is very frightening, I think, for some fa families. You know, how do we give parents courage and hope that betting on you know starting early teaching life skills and 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 taking these risks and going out in the community in addition to school? How do we how do we help them to to feel like that's the right choice and give them the inspiration to do that? Well, you know, we do a couple of things. You know, first is, is I, I really emphasize that when we're talking about life skills, we're really talking about a very complex set of skills. There's this sense of academics somehow being the gold standard. And I am not dismissing academics at all. I think academics are, you know, very important. And if you know, kids are interested and if kids are, have the potential, and, and then it's fine for pursue academics. But there's also this part of life that consists of adaptive behavior. And it's adaptive behavior that lets you use your academic skills. Academic skills without adaptive behavior are kind of useless, but adaptive behavior without academic skills, we've all faked our way through things probably yeah. on a daily basis because of our adaptive competencies. Right. So, right. So if we look at things from that point of view, um, we now can start to see that these really are just navigation skills that we're giving. These are opportunity skills that we're giving if we focus. And the earlier we start, the easier these skills, at least in my understanding, should be to develop. You know, the, my kind of rule of thumb is working with parents is to always try and think five years ahead. You know, five years from now, what do you want he or she to be doing and or not doing? I, I think a, a 
A simple example is I work with families of little kids, of five-year-olds, and we will talk about, you know, when after he takes his tub, you know, a good thing to teach him to do is put a robe on before he leaves the bathroom and goes to his room to put on clothes. Now, a typical five-year-old probably don't do that. You know, a little naked five-year-old running around your house is kind of cute. Naked 15-year-old, however, right. not so cute. And if you then go to address it then, you're not only unlearning a skill they've had for 10 years and then trying to learn something on top of it, but you're dealing with a, a full-sized adult pretty much. You know, where if we can look at some of these things very early on, um, I think it, it sets up our kids to have a much more efficient base of skills, a much more effective um, beginning comprehension of the world around them and how they can appropriately interact and manipulate the world around them. Right. I like that idea of the five year, thinking five years ahead, because for a lot of these things, they need a long runway. We're especially talking about, you know, understanding uh, social rules and using social communication in the community. They need a lot of examples. It's not, it's not a quick lesson plan. It's, um, it's a lot of experience that, that they have to build on each other. And like you said, uh, fail every now and then and understand the natural contingencies that are out there. Right. It, it really is all about, in my book at least, opportunities to respond. Like, you know, and it, this is not an autism thing. This is just a, a people thing. This is how we learn. We learn by repeated opportunities. Um, and if I don't give my kids sufficient opportunities to practice skills in a way that makes sense to them, they really just don't become part of their repertoire. Um, you know, I, we're we're having some discussions now where we're we're thinking we're trying to think about generalization in a different way. And we all talk about, you know, kids with autism tend not to generalize well, and and we know that. We, kids with autism don't generalize well. But we all know that two-year-old kid who once he learns to do one DVD Blu-ray player to operate <laughs> every DVD Blu-ray player on the planet. Right. And, that, and that's generalization. So why is it that he generalizes that skill but not these other skills? Well, maybe there are issues related to how often he gets to practice. Maybe there are issues related to interest. So now maybe it's not necessarily a generalization problem that's neurologically related, but a generalization problem in how we present these skills to be taught. So I, I, we're trying to think of different ways to approach these skill sets in ways that make them make sense to the student as opposed to make sense to us. Right. And, you know, when we think about all this work, uh, you know, starting early, really uh, getting resources to get kids out in the community and, and experiencing a lot of stuff to build on those interests and uh, build on the practice that they have. And I recently read a, a comment that someone else had, had wrote, not you or I, but uh, a comment from a professional that said autism is going to bankrupt America. And this was based on uh, the growing population, the wave of those that are aging, uh, and the average cost of caring for them. Uh, how do you respond to comments like that, that, that autism is going to bankrupt America? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, it's, it's a nonsense comment. It's a, it's a scare tactic comment, and then what's the alternative? Like, what is his, whoever, whoever has said that. But there is some truth to the fact that we need to, as a field, and I work in the field of behavior analysis, um, we need to come out with better outcomes. You know, the current data indicate our outcomes for adults with autism overall are, are not where we'd like them to be. I mean, we have about a 90% underemployment, unemployment rate. Um, we have um, significant numbers of individuals still living at home. 
Um, so we need to target those outcomes in a way that not only reduce long-term costs, because that would be a nice thing, but I think reduce long-term costs while we improve quality of life. And I think that's where we need to put our energy. And I think if we do improve quality of life, our costs go down, because if people are engaged in their life, enjoying their life, participating in their life, actively making decisions, then they need less support and supervision. So it, it's a, you know, a positive sort of catch-22. Uh, it's a positive feedback loop as opposed to a negative feedback loop. Um, you know, we can look at the cost of anything and say whether or not it's good or bad. I mean, congregate living is cheaper than individual often. But that doesn't make it better just because it's cheaper. As a matter of fact, the research or data indicate that it's not better. So I think it's important that we shift the focus not to, away from cost, although as important as that may be, into what our outcomes are, um, what our uh, hopes are, what our directions are, and how do we best achieve those. Because what we're what we're doing today doesn't seem to be working um, as effectively as we might like. Right. Yeah, I, I do agree. I, li I like the way you stated that. And I think I think the other thing is, is as we have people who are doing the work that you're doing, and, and more and more people, I think figuring out the uh, some of the some of the puzzle of preparing for adulthood. We're starting to see more and more examples out there for society to look at of individuals with autism really contributing a lot. To society, uh, being integrated, um, you know, I, I see in my community individuals who are finding their niche and finding the right employment and the and, and and getting out there and and kind of providing these examples that that might not have necessarily been here that much even you know even 10 years ago. So I think I think the scare tactics will probably uh, will probably fade as we get more and more of that. No, I, I definitely think they will, and and you know, uh, I would love to see the time where we get past. You know, autism being this uh, mysterious disorder, and you know, whenever it's in the popular media, that's how it's written. This mysterious disorder called autism. It's like it's just <laughs> autism, and we know a fair amount about it. But most importantly, is how much do we know about this person who has autism? And as we learn more about this person who has autism and how autism inter interacts with their life, that's when we can start to move forward. And how do we? program for them, provide services for them, educate for them, support them. Um, you know, autism itself is just um, a challenge along the way to providing this kid, this soon-to-be-adult person, with a life of confidence, dignity, and quality. Right. I want to make sure I get this question because a lot of parents have it. There's a topic that parents really struggle with addressing it. It's sexuality. I, I know we don't have a lot of time uh, today to, to dive into it because you've done a lot of work on that. But I'd love to hear, you know, what do you think are several key or common points uh, that, that you encourage all parents to be aware of regarding sexuality? Um, I think at its heart, um, when we talk about sexuality, it's important to, to note that um, sexuality education is primarily about two things. It's about safety and understanding your changing body. Those are at its heart, the two things, and those are applicable to everybody on the spectrum. We can teach everybody to be more safe, and we can teach people to understand, to some extent, 
what's happening to their body, whether it's getting their first period, getting an erection, whatever the, the change is, getting body hair, we can work to address those things. Safety, um, we can do significantly better than we've done in the past. Um, right now, with most kids with classic autism, you know, we do a lot of compliance training. We need to actually teach kids how to learn, to sit and pay attention and follow directions and respond and get reinforced and all this sort of stuff. But there does come a point in one's life where you need to be able to practice non-compliance training. You need to know who you say no to, when you say no to, how forceful you say no to. You know, um, Bridget Taylor at Alpine Learning Group has done some interesting work in this area. I think we're doing some really interesting work in this area. Um, trying to teach kids how to better discriminate safe versus not safe. Um, an interesting thing that we found out, by the way, um, a young man um, that we've been doing some work with, uh, we go out just to a, a local fitness center for all our gyms, for all our, you know, to go work out. We don't use a, a gym in the school because um, we're out in the community. My goal is inclusion in the community. I'm less concerned about inclusion in the school for adolescents. But um, we were working on who can help you in the locker room and who can help you in the locker room. And this one young man kept saying that I couldn't help him in the locker room because I'm a woman. And the reason he identified me as a woman is because I have long hair. Oh. <laughs> so, from, and if you go back to all the early stimulus material that we use with little kids. Right. Right. right? Girls have long hair and skirts. Boys have short hair and pants. And that's what he picked up on. Now, here's someone who 14 years later, we think, oh, of course he knows the difference between a man and a woman. Absolutely doesn't. Wow. So we had to go that's... back and reteach some of those basic things that we thought had been mastered in years ago. Right. You know, once, once we, we take it, though, out of this realm of, you know, sexuality as taboo and bring it into safety, you know, and bring it into understanding, it, it just becomes behavior. That's all. And now it's complex behavior, and it's all social behavior, all sexual behavior, social behavior. But it really is just behavior. And it's behavior that actually is pretty important to... I think most everyone on the planet. I mean, everyone is a sexual being. So helping people to, you know, better understand who they are and their body and to be safe, um, you know, it's, it's fascinating and it's pretty consistent, I find, that when I talk to parent groups, they say, well, you know, professionals aren't ready to deal with this. And when I talk to professionals, they say parents aren't ready to deal with this. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's because the subject is still so taboo that neither of the groups sort of broaches it with the other group. Um, right, that's a good point. I think I think that your group, and, and, and you mentioned somebody else, I think as we start to define what the goals are for this, it makes it easier to talk about, too. We're going to take a quick break uh, and, and return with Dr. Peter Gerhardt. Please stay tuned. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. At AST, we recognize that every child is unique. We are proud to offer what we believe is the most cohesive approach to supporting your child's needs and goals at each stage. From ABA to speech therapy, occupational therapy, and social skills, 
we have the elements you need to build the plan that is just right for you. One company, one team with one mission to support individuals and their families to dream and achieve their full potential. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-727-8274. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Freya. We're continuing our conversation uh, with Dr. Peter Gerhardt about uh, transition to adulthood and adult issues. And, um, you know, Peter, we're asking parents to think earlier and earlier about preparing for adulthood. And, um, and I think it's a challenge for a lot of parents to understand where to start. And when we're talking with parents of six, seven, eight-year-olds and we're, we're asking them to start considering five years ahead, what are, some of the, uh, what are some of the things that you do to help prepare parents for, for the, that planning? Um, well, you know, one of the things that we just started doing this year um, so we'll see how helpful it is or not, is that um, we've asked every each teacher in my program to, after they finish the IEP and they review it with the, before, and before they review it with the parents, um, that they have to write up a paragraph or two about if all these goals are mastered, how does that make a difference in this kid's life? Wow. Um, I think we often end up writing IEPs that have like, individual goals that aren't necessarily connected into any bigger picture. So I think parents might be well served just to start asking that question. Like, like if we meet all these goals, how is my son or daughter different at the end of this year? Um, you know, what does this mean in terms of the totality of my son or daughter as a person when they're 6, 12, 14, 36? Um, I, I think that that's a, a, an easy way to start um, looking at that. Um, you know, I think the other thing that I really do encourage, um, you know, families that I work with to do is just to have a real vision of the outcome. Um, you know, not that he's just always doing better or he seems better or it looks better. Like, like if we move in this direction, what do you really expect to happen? You know, what's the, what's the, the, the outcome supposed to look like? And then... I, I, I think the third thing is really to have very broad, very high, but realistic outcomes. Like I, I, I always talk about, you know, in behavior analysis, and I'm a behavior analyst, and there's still a mythology about, you know, behavior analysis only working with little kids, and you don't do it with adolescents and adults. It, it's, it, it, that's just nonsense. It's the science of behavior change and learning. That's all it really is. Um, but we talk about that we want kids to learn skills to be at 80% accuracy or 90% accuracy. Well, you know, there are some skills that should be street crossing, should be at 100% accuracy. Right. You know, yeah, all your safety skills should be at 100% accuracy. Um, but there's a lot of my life that I screw up on a regular basis. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 
I actually got very confused at one point today and thought I might have screwed up the time for today. Now, but I made it work, even though, like, it was fine. But it's my adaptive responding that actually helps me figure out when things go wrong. Right. So, so I think we need to put a little more focus on not just getting everything right all the time, but also fixing stuff when it's not right. Um, I think if we could start looking at those skills, which really are the skills that I think define adult life, um, you know, if, you know, we talked about 80% accuracy or 90% accuracy, you know, the joke I make is that, like, if when I die, if they could put on my tombstone, I was 80% accurate, like, that's a hell of a life. <laughs> you know, I don't think I'm going to get there. You know, but overall, I'm done pretty well. You know, but I've also learned how to fix my mistakes. So I, I think if you just keep this forward perspective, have high but realistic goals, Understand really where you're going and what's the, the purpose of all this work that you're doing. Um, I think putting all, all that together is really going to help kids, you know, have better lives. And, again, that doesn't mean we don't look at um, academics. You know, like academics are important to one's life. Uh, but there's just other things that we can't ignore um, because if we do, it's to the student's significant detriment. Right. And, you know, a lot of those other things, uh, you know, they're, they're sometimes hard to define without working with families and getting kids out there and really, you know, uh, kind of understanding where the discrepancies are. And parents still rely on, on school districts to do a lot of that for them. You know, the transition programs in high school are example of that. I mean, they're, they're called transition programs. Expe expectation is they're helping transition right. to adulthood. Uh, a lot of school districts really aren't prepared to work uh, with our kids in doing that. Uh, how do you, what do you recommend to parents when they're, when they're realizing that the district is not really doing much with their kids in the transition programs? Well, you know, unfortunately, and it shouldn't be this way, but it is, uh, parents still oftentimes need to drive this entire process. Um, you know, schools tend to be reluctant to do a lot of community-based instruction, um, and they're even more reluctant to do it where the kid actually lives. Um, you know, and that just boggles my imagination, that we often do job development and job sampling by the school, but the kid lives 30 miles away, so even if that works, he'd never be able to get to that job anyway. So, you know, we need to, parents need to push to actually have intervention where the goals are relevant to their son or daughter's individual life. Um, and I, I know many parents I work with, they get, you get tired after fighting every year and pushing every year and struggling every year. Um, but this is probably your last best chance to really help your son or daughter have the life that he or she deserves. Um, because once you hit that 21 points and the money stops because it goes from entitlement to just, you know, state DD flows through Medicaid dollars, um, it's a whole different world. Now, that doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. It just means that it's a different world and we have different obstacles and we have to be far more creative and we have to to combine different resources. But I really stress that parents need to take the best advantage of these IDEA dollars while kids are still in school and use them to give their son or daughter the broadest, most useful set of skills um, for life beyond the classroom. You know, the, the, the classroom 
you know, this is where I get critical of our field sometimes. The classroom is the easiest, easiest environment these kids will ever be in. Yeah. Like we, we control every single variable in the classroom. We can turn the lights on or off. We can have music in the background. We can paint the walls. We can use different stimulus materials. We can change our reinforcements. We can rotate the... The outside world doesn't work like that. You know? We should be successful in our classroom. But we should gauge our success by how successful we are outside our classrooms. That's our measure of success. Not how well the kid does in the classroom, but how well he does outside. Um, so that's where we and the professional end of this agreement have to better hold up our bargain. That yeah. Unless, yeah, unless we're actually educating kids for success outside our classrooms, um, we're not necessarily doing what we're supposed to do. That was about as politically correct as I could state that. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Um, you, you mentioned job sampling and how hard that is for, for schools to do uh, in their transition programs. I'm just curious, do, is that something that you encourage or help parents to do um, earlier on before they're in high school? I mean, to, to try to sample some of some of the interests and some of the things that uh, the kids like or don't like out in the community? Um, I think there are, there are two areas um, that we don't do a good enough job in terms of sampling. And one is job sampling, giving kids a chance to sort of, you know, do different things. And, and starting early on even with chores around the house is a bit of a job sampling thing. Right. Um, but I also think, you know, leisure sampling. One of the things I consistently see with kids across the spectrum as they grow up is that they have a very, very narrow range and also a childish range of um, leisure and rec skills. And I think that that presents a challenge to social inclusion. I think that presents a challenge to public perception. Um, I think that presents a challenge to uh, just uh, ongoing life enjoyment because you have limited opportunities. I, I think it really is something that we should, you know, on an annual basis, make sure that you know, everybody we work with has five, 10, 15 different leisure rec opportunities to try, to experience, to see if they like it or not, to go um, and we just arbitrarily, this is just a Gerhardt rule, this is not, there's no data on this at all. We arbitrarily, um, Helen Bloomer and myself, who's my assistant director, um, we say the five times rule. Like, you've got to try it five times. And if the five times you still hate it, then we realize it's not going to be a leisure skill. But the first time you try something, you know, you may not like it. So let's try it again and try it again. But if by the fifth time you're still protesting, then it's pretty sure you're not going to wake up in the morning and say, I want to do that. So we try something else. Um, I think it's such an important component of the lives of neurotypicals that we pretty consistently overlook in terms of supporting um, individuals with autism into adulthood. Right. Yeah, you know, I want to ask you, if um, are there key resources that you uh, point families to that, um, that when they're seeking information about helping prepare their kids for their adulthood, are there websites, organizations that you uh, that you recommend? Um, in terms of employment, I always I recommend um, Paul Wayman's and the Virginia Commonwealth University Research and Rehabilitation Training Center's website, which is just worksupport.com. Um, so that's a very easy resource to find. Um, um, in terms of sexuality stuff. Um, there's a great website for more verbal teens, which is called Scarlet Teen 
Paris.org, I believe it might be .com, um, but parents really should check that out first. It's moderated by teens, for teens, but there's adult supervision in it. It's a very, very good website. Wow. Um, I, um, that's a, a good resource. I think, you know, every state has good people doing this stuff. Um, I think one of the challenges that we face is that some of the people doing good stuff don't like to get it known because then they feel they're going to be overwhelmed. So they sort of keep their light under a bushel. You know, there are thousands of talented, dedicated professionals out there trying to do this stuff um, with limited resources and in systems. So trying to find those people and encourage those people and support those people, I think, is um, a critical, um, uh, is mining a critical resource. Right. And what red websites are you associated with again, Peter? Want to give those out? Um, it's the McCartan School, which is www.themccartonschool.org, M-C-C-A-R-T-O-N, school, all one word. And then also I'm chairman of the Scientific Council for the Organization for Autism Research, which supports funding intervention or quality of life research, which information there can be found at uh, www.researchautism.org. That is great. You know, Peter, this was uh, absolutely a great interview. Thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, you've done amazing work, really hard work, and this is uh, terrific information for all of our listeners. I, I can't thank you enough. Oh, so well, thank you very much for having me on. This has been a great honor and privilege. Great. Thank you. We will be right back with more Autism Spectrum Radio. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host or today's guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. I want to again thank Dr. Peter Gerhardt for coming on the show today. You can find out more about him at the McCartanFoundation.org as well as researchautism.org. I really uh, particularly enjoyed his discussion about the job sampling and the leisure sampling and how important it is to start early with that. And uh, to the, the five times rule, I, I think, is uh, really important. The idea that uh, until uh, your child experiences something five times, it's really hard to know if it's something that they're going to have as a preference, something they're going to be good at. Uh, I think that that's important for looking at things you're interested in that might be future job opportunities, but also, as Dr. Gerhardt said, um, sampling things that would be uh, leisure opportunities because those are going to be equally important um, in their adulthood. I also liked uh, his discussion of the IEP, uh, the ending paragraph, that summary paragraph that parents and teachers participate in drafting that says, if all of these goals happen, if we achieve everything we want to achieve this year, um, the child's uh, life will be better in the following ways. Really a future-oriented, future future-directed uh, statement at the end of, um, of the IEP. I think that's brilliant, and I think that's uh, something that uh, centers us on what this child's life will be if we, uh, if we have uh, all of our goals met. You know, I think one way of summarizing the different messages from today's show, I think, is the importance of just stepping back Stepping back as a parent and uh, for a moment from all the different things you have to manage in your busy life, give yourself a moment to picture your child's future. Uh, do this free from thinking about his or her current services and goals and free from your expectations or struggles with school services or the stressors of home life and all that that entails. And give yourself time to think practically. Um, you know, we, we, we've had different guests 
parents advocates say this in different ways, that you have to think practically. What does your child need uh, to be successful and to be more independent right now, five years from now? In the case of today's show, maybe he needs a roadmap to better independence, to quality adult life, and, and the road does need to start right now. I think that's the hard part, because without going out and doing things like the sampling and, and um, having a child meet uh, more people and experience more stores and more uh, community resources, um, it's hard to understand where to start. Your community is really filled with opportunities that you may have not considered, learning opportunities uh, that don't necessarily fit with uh, what he's learning at school or what you might be typically, uh, uh, typically consider uh, uh, what you're working on at home. Uh, experiences, lots of them. I mean, that's really critical. And that's one of the things Dr. Gerhardt was, uh, was really at the center of what he was pointing to today. Uh, looking with wide open eyes at, at what may uh, play a role in building his or her interests. And opportunities to get excited about things. You know, the more the experience and, you know, again, the five-time rule and really giving him an opportunity to respond and uh, maybe articulate to you in different ways what, uh, what excites them, what motivates them, what they're interested in learning more about. I mean, that's where future uh, jobs and future relationships come, come from. Opportunities to get excited to succeed and to fail, because failing is not always bad. Um, this isn't school. It's okay to fail, and sometimes it's important to fail. And this is life, and in life, that's, that's what we do. Failure can sometimes open up unexpected doors. And we certainly have seen that time and time again, um, because it teaches us something about, uh, about the child and about what our own, our own thinking, about what work and will not work um, as goals uh, for the current and for the future. Uh, if you have any questions for next week, be sure to email me with questions uh, or comments. More info at autismtherapies.com. We'll try to work them in when we're talking next week. And always important to hear from you and what you'd like us to cover here on Autism Spectrum Radio. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Have a great week. Bye-bye. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode of Autism Spectrum Radio. For additional information and resources about autism, visit www.autismtherapies.com. Please join us each week for a new episode or visit our archives to listen to and download previous shows. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.